As we stand at the precipice, feeling the heat on our faces from the dumpster fire our country has devolved into, sometimes an escape is necessary. And sure, meth will do that for you, but maybe, just maybe, dating horror stories from someone else's romantic fuckery might be better for your health. Surely your dentist would agree. So, laugh. Cry, blush from secondhand embarrassment, and revel in a playground of mishaps that just might help you forget. Welcome to The Cultural Experience, Season 1, The Alphabet Chronicles. S is for sobbing. After 30 years on this earth, it finally happened. I landed a date with a model. I know, I know, it's stupid, but somehow it validated my 20 years of sexual awareness. Nay, rewarded it. I mean, I've had someone shit in my bed for God's sake. At the very least, I deserve a date with a model. It all started on OkCupid, where, after shockingly few brief, flirty messages, we set up a date. Well, ish. See, I'm approachably attractive, meaning I I fall somewhere in the middle of the road when it comes to the looks department. Some hot guys will be attracted to me, sure, but I'm not so hot that the trolls feel intimidated. So, when conversation starts going well with one of the model types, eh, I get excited. Sometimes, too excited. That's what happened here. Uh, I misunderstood our texts and kind of invited myself over for homemade lasagna that night. I couldn't help it. I was eager. He was a model who cooks. Luckily, he took my overzealous attitude in stride and extended an official invitation. Before he could change his mind, I accepted and made a quick train transfer, rerouting myself to the Upper East Side. I was so eager to get there, I almost jumped in a cab, but, but I was worried this would make me seem desperate. You know, like inviting yourself over to someone else's house for dinner. <laughs> A few stops later, my thirsty ass arrived, and he came bounding downstairs to greet me. I assumed his quick gait was an indication of his excitement, but when he got to the door, his face was furrowed into a contorted expression. All of a sudden, I was nervous. Was this guy a dick? I, I tried to write off his disposition as some sort of you know broody, hyper-angular, model-faced thing us regular folks don't understand, but... But the closer he got to me, uh, the more severe he looked, and I wondered if I was wrong. He opened the door before I could run, so instead I awkwardly smiled and went in for a church lady side hug. <laughs> Hashtag smooth. He ushered me inside, and we began what would amount to a seemingly endless voyage up the stairs to his apartment. I deserve some sort of prize for the level of effort I put into making conversation, desperately trying to penetrate his icy exterior. Oof! <laughs> the stairs in these pre-war buildings are something, huh? You feel drunk regardless of how sober you are. <laughs> Silence. Speaking of drunk, there was this homeless man who came charging at me on 8th Avenue today. You know, Dick just flopping in the breeze. Crickets. Seriously? Homeless Dick didn't even get a response? Eventually, I gave in to his reticence and allowed the deafening silence to consume us as we finished traversing the stairs, accepting that I may be entering into a poor man's version of American Psycho. I mean, 
Who has no response to homeless dick? Psychopaths, that's who. It was only three flights, but by the time we made it to his apartment, the awkwardness of our trip had taken years off my life. He jiggled his keys into the lock in a way only a New Yorker would. Someone who puts up with the little quirks and inconveniences of an old building. We feel some sort of pride in our space, like we found a treasure among the piles of shit. Which, you know, depending on the apartment, many of us have. The idiosyncrasies are something we cherish. You'd almost miss them if you woke up one morning and they were gone. A final deftly placed hip thrust and we were in. Something about crossing the threshold changed things. He warmed a bit, and the awkwardness from our silent voyage began to dissipate. I don't know, maybe it was the key jiggle. The relatable humanizing of his New Yorkness. Yeah, unclear. The tour started in the living room, where it became shockingly obvious he didn't have much taste. I mean, I guess his place was cute. You know, nothing spectacular, but cute. He's a model. It didn't need to be spectacular. There was a generic leather sectional that sat lifeless before a giant television and catty-corner to what ultimately amounted to a wall of wine. Interesting. The kitchen was off the far corner of the room where the lasagna sat cooling, I hoped it was as good as it looked. We lingered just long enough to be tempted by the smell before he drug my inner fat kid away from the food and into a hallway littered with photos. His mother was there in a thick pewter frame while his grandmother sat further down the hall in thin oak. And finally, near the door of his bedroom, surrounded in large black acrylic, was a younger version of himself hugging another little boy. Oh, who's that? That's my brother. He's dead. Yikes. Unprompted, he began recounting the vague details of his brother's death. Yeah, uh, apparently he may have been murdered. I I don't, I, uh... I accidentally invited myself over for lasagna and was now standing in this man's hallway hearing about his brother's possible murder? (laughs) How had we gone from radio silence to this massive overshare? Wasn't there some sort of middle ground that didn't involve the murder of a family member? I... I'm pretty sure there is, because I've never encountered anything like this. And I'm pretty sure the margin for that middle ground is wide. Several avenues wide. Maybe even the width of a small state. As I was trying to process what was happening, I went in and out of consciousness. I was checked out when he hit the actual murder, a self-preservation tactic. So I suppose I'll never know for sure how it ended, though I think we can all assume not well. I was still reeling as we made our way back into the living room to eat the dinner he'd prepared. I was staring at the bubbling cheese coating the top of the lasagna, trying to push cloying thoughts of death from my mind as he scurried to the wine wall and brought out not one, but two magnums of red. Huh. I tucked this little tidbit away, you know, trying my best to keep my face from scrunching in judgment. If nothing else, this act was successful in distracting from my thoughts of mortality, I suppose. (laughs) After my ex's drinking ravaged my soul, leaving me for ruin, I have been quick to assume everyone I come in contact with is a drunk. My mailman, the homeless woman in Midtown, the girl selling cookies on the corner, alcoholics, every last one of them. I can't say this is a healthy way to approach any and all living things, but... You know, it serves as a sufficient airbag for the times you find yourself face-to-face with a live one. 
Old habits die hard, and I was torn between my desire to Jessica Fletcher the magnums of booze and, you know, the more logical choice of actively ridding my mind of this irrational thinking, when uh, I couldn't help but notice one of the giant bottles was already open. And, and were his teeth purple? Damn my sleuth-like instincts! It was very possible he'd been cooking with it, you know, sipping a glass as he went. I needed to chill. He's fine. Life is great, remember? You invited yourself over to a model's house for dinner. All things considered, you're having a fine night. It was at this point when I wish I'd stayed fixated on the wine as the conversation started to, well, uh, deepen. So, uh, I'm sure you noticed there weren't many pictures of my father. Well, this is headed nowhere good. Yeah, uh, he used to beat the shit out of my mom until she finally had enough. She packed her crap and snuck out in the middle of the night. I don't... I mean... Uh, after that, my brother and I used to act out a lot. Uh, one time he shot me. I don't, I don't think he was trying to hurt me, you know, much less kill me. But, you know, I guess we'll never know because, like, uh, he, you know, he's dead and all. I questioned my entire life for not getting up and leaving. Instead, I... I thought it would be romantic to lean in and kiss him. To try to, you know, comfort him as he relived this special kind of fucked up. So, I did. Idiot. And then something happened. Something that has never happened to me before, at least not on a first date. After I pulled away from our kiss, he, well... He started crying. Prior to this moment, I was having full-on delusions about this boy, but now even I saw the red flags waving in the breeze. They were waving so fervently that the blind girl from my undergrad could have seen them. From space. But did that stop me? No. I was in this deep. And how do you leave a model when they're sitting across from you on their coffee table crying? To be fair, it it wasn't a sob. It, It was light, shimmering tears gently cascading down his cheeks. Oh, his beautifully chiseled model cheeks. The glistening bone structure was intoxicating, and I slowly began falling for that hot, damaged, genetically superior specimen. Red flags be damned. I'm sure I should see a therapist about my response to this, but uh, I couldn't help it. I was drunk on good looks and desperation. A deadly combination no one warned me about. Where was that unit during sex ed? The unit that cautions against dating a few notches above your hotness and getting sucked into their roller coaster of madness? That is the lesson I needed, not some awkward, fumbly abstinence bullshit. What do I do when I want to stick it in because he's so hot, but now he's crying, so that would be a little rapey? But I don't want to leave, though I probably should. But am I really the guy who leaves a crying model alone? Those kinds of lessons. Lessons that guard heart and loin against the stupid things I'm seemingly wired to do. My woefully inadequate sexual educator had clearly omitted crucial information, so you know, I did my best to fill in the blanks. In the end, I was successful at keeping my dick safely in my pants while talking the model down from his precipitous ledge. Were it not for the cascade of sexually transmitted diseases that regularly plagued me, I'd consider sex ed my new calling. Perhaps my unique experience is exactly what the field is missing. I, I'm thinking no, but I, I'm not in a place where I'm ready to give up the dream. You know, anything is possible. The subject changed as the wine kept flowing, and by the second episode of The Golden Girls, we had moved firmly outside the crying zone. Thank God. So, I moved a hand a little higher on his thigh and scooted myself even closer to him on the couch. 
After the third or fourth time his hand accidentally grazed mine, he left it for our fingers to slowly intertwine as if they had minds of their own, operating independently of our bodies. From there, it was a hop, skip, and a jump to tongues twisting and turning over one another, lapping up the dense sexuality that had been mounting for hours. Our hands cut forceful, deliberate paths through the peaks and valleys of our bodies as we explored uncharted territory. I was imagining all the dirty things I was going to do to him when something stopped me. Again. Something was happening. uh, Something not right. Something I'd never experienced before. Something that made my bum go funny and not in a good way. He had, well... He'd started crying again, this time into my mouth. Have you ever had someone cry into your mouth? It's an odd sensation. It simultaneously propels you backward in utter disgust and yet does something to pull you in. It's kind of like witnessing a crash. You desperately want to look away, but you can't. Something inside forces you to watch the imminent collision, waiting for the inevitable, lifeless, mangled metal carcasses to lie steaming and still after the surge of anticipation. You know you shouldn't watch, but you avert your glance seconds too late every time. You can't help yourself. It's like that, but in your mouth. Once the sobbing began echoing in my cranial cavity, I I had to force an intermission. (laughs) What's, uh... What's wrong? I asked, trying my best to hide my annoyance. We're just having so much fun, he choked out. Well, yes, we were. This is the point where they usually leave. So, uh, so you date men who enjoy blue balls? Through his tears, I was desperately trying to decipher what the model was mumbling, but It was hard to hear him over the barrage of questions and warnings my inner monologue was hurling at me. It was a madwoman's deafening scream begging me to run. And instead of listening, I mean, she's been wrong before, I took a deep breath, muzzled my better judgment, and calmly talked the model down from his emotional perch. I was sad to see our makeout session come to an end, but I wasn't up for any more mouth crying. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've reached my limit with that activity. It's such an odd sensation. Have you ever experienced something so intriguing that part of you wants it again, but you know you'll hate it? Like, I don't know, like being lactose intolerant and eating ice cream even though you're guaranteed to shit your stomach lining out. That is having someone cry into your mouth. Once he'd mellowed, I I should have kindly excused myself and gone on my way. And yet... Instead, once he was safely down from the heights of his crazy, I let him cuddle into me and couldn't bring myself to move. There was something about him that fit perfectly into my nook. I was so content I didn't even notice we'd finished the magnum of wine until he disappeared to the bathroom. His absence brought the room sharply into focus, and the empty bottle stared at me, taunting the decisions that brought me here. Worried that upon standing I might realize I was twice as drunk as I thought, I started adding up my glasses. I had one before the meal, one during dinner, and and was just finishing my third. I mean, that was perfectly reasonable. This didn't add up to an empty bottle. Had the model drank the rest? This was a magnum! My mind started doing backflips. After his trip to the bathroom, I was going to assess the level of sobriety we were dealing with, as it might be time for me to make an exit. 
I expected I'd have that opportunity sooner than later, but he seemed to be preoccupied. He wasn't gone long enough that I got worried, but long enough to raise an eyebrow or two. I, I don't Maybe his stomach was upset. Was he bulimic? It was becoming painfully obvious I was alone in someone else's space. Someone I barely knew. Someone whose dead brother was staring at me through the sliver of hallway I could see from my seat. Just as I was reaching peak uncomfortable, he opened the door with a flourish. An impeccably gay entrance. Had he stuck the button, I might have been impressed, but, you know, his execution was sloppy, hinting that the wine was in charge. His pageantry almost distracted me from the fact he'd changed clothes. Uh, He was now only wearing basketball shorts. Period. Nothing else. Um, I mean, I don't... He looked hot, but, like, we were just watching Press Your Luck. Maybe he was interested in pressing his? I don't... Unclear. As he crossed the room, I noticed how alarmingly erratic he was acting. His gait was sloppy and his gestures limp. That's when I saw it. Those very familiar glassy eyes that don't seem to focus on anything in particular. They're somehow looking past you at nothing. The same way my ex used to look at me. He was drunk. Very. I decided this was my cue to leave. I had clearly overstayed my welcome and it was time to call a car. As if the dead brother, mouth crying, and costume change weren't signs enough. (laughs) I was gathering my things as his drunken weaving found focus. He reached deep within himself to harness the flail and perform a very interesting interpretive dance. Uh, uh, Twyla Tharp wouldn't have been impressed. I gave him a half-smile, trying desperately to communicate my level of uncomfortable as I checked my phone to see why the car was taking forever. Looking away egged him on, making his final interaction even more awkward as he kissed me between dance moves, ensuring my attention stayed always on the flailing. I don't know why I didn't wait in the street. I guess I didn't want to give up my front row seats to the steward de force. Uh, our kissing eventually won out, thank God, and his dancing slowly faded into a simple step touch. As odd as it was, it, it only made sense to end our bizarre night like this. Making out in a hallway, his dick tenting his basketball shorts while he pressed me against pictures of his relatives. His kisses were intoxicating. And even though I could feel the still stare of the dead, uh, I was starting to regret calling a car. Until he fell onto the floor, just completely and totally splayed out. He looked up at me with bewildered confusion, clearly uncertain of how he'd arrived on the floor. This felt hauntingly similar to the night spent with my ex. Suddenly, my need to leave was visceral. I had to get out of there. I I didn't care where my car was. I helped him up, kissed him, and started to go on my way, shaken, but somehow still excited for the future. Why was I still convinced there could be a future as beyond me? Whatever possibilities I saw were clearly inspired by my desperation and deep-seated ability to lie to myself. I'm sure he didn't drink like this all the time. Maybe he had an antihistamine before I came over. He kissed me, then stopped me from leaving. As we stood, he looked at my shirt, searching for something. I was confused. Oh, I was just looking to see if I left any salt stains. I searched his eyes, imploring him for clarification. Yeah, I went on a date with a guy who, after I left, called to tell me his shirt was covered in them. You know, for me crying on him. He hissed, leaving a trail of clothes behind him as he slithered toward the bedroom. Are you coming? He winked. 
sweet Jesus, what have I done? Thank you for listening to The Cultural Experience, Season 1, The Alphabet Chronicles, the podcast that's 100% true, except when it's not. Essays are written by Cole Grissom, inspired by real events, but rest assured, if a character resembles you in any way, I promise you're wrong. If you like what you heard today, subscribe, share, tell your friends, your frenemies, your bad dates, your good dates, the guy in the alley you're planning on giving a handy to later tonight. Tell them all. Until next time, friends.